1: the Gulf South. It's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio.
2: Good morning, you're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Monday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damien Colado and Alicia Cuebido. Hey guys, good morning. Good Happy Halloween. Halloween. Oh my
3: goodness. Yeah. October 31st. Kind of expected Damien to be in costume this morning. Oh, well, well, Me too. <laughs> you could have dressed as our second You know, I, I never thought, I never
4: did do that.
3: No. That's I, I, as a
4: kid, Yeah, but as an adult, yeah. no. never no. dressed oh. as, as for neither. Halloween. I, I just, do
3: have some Great candy corn earrings, but I didn't wear them this morning. So uh, I, this I guess, that's the limit we, of we, my. Uh,
4: <laughs> we're not even in Halloween colors. <laughs> I know. You know, so we know better.
3: Uh, well, well, we didn't even send a memo saying tonight.
4: that's
3: right. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get out the candy corn earrings for trick or treating. But today is the feast of Saint Wolfgang of, Re- of Regensburg. So let's begin with prayer this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Almighty and merciful God, by whose gift your faithful offer you right and praiseworthy service, grant we pray that we may hasten without stumbling to receive the things you have promised. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Wolfgang of Regensburg, pray for us.
2: Okay, for us, we have a great show for you today, starting off with Chris Pennegy, He's the president of Pelican Craft Brands, and today he joins us to talk about the brew and Catholic Man Night. So uh, we've all tasted these uh, delightful beers from Pelican Craft Brands. So he's going to give us details about this and what you can expect at Catholic Man Night if you are attending. So stay with us. That'll be in about six minutes. In 18 minutes, Deacon Dennis Adams joins us. He's a deacon at St. Peter's Church in Covington, and today he's going to be talking about his call to the diaconate. Deacon Dennis is such a wonderful person, a great supporter of Catholic Community Radio, and he always has a smile on his face. So looking forward to speaking with Deacon Dennis today. In 35 minutes, Alan Migliarato joins us. He's a co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. And every Monday, he joins us to talk about raising Catholic teens in today's world. It's always a fun segment with Alan, and we always seem to have a good laugh. So uh, stay with us uh, in 35 minutes. And in 48 minutes, Daniel Strudwick joins us. He's a co-editor of the book, By Strange Ways, Theologians and Their Paths to the Catholic Church. So he joins us to talk about his book. It's going to be a great interview, Damian. Looking forward to today's show with these great guests.
4: Yeah, and we're going to have good weather for Halloween. All right. Yes, a yes. yes. Mixture of sun and clouds today. Uh, no rain in the forecast, and it should be a nice evening, and it ought to really be a great week all week long, uh, at least until Saturday. Hi. Today, it's going to be 79, low tonight, about 53. Uh, But a lot of that coolness won't set in until the kids are probably home already munching on the candy. Um, But humidity is almost at 100%. So it makes it real yes, damp outside. Yeah. So uh, anyway, mm-hmm. dress the kids accordingly. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we will warm up just a little bit beginning tomorrow where the highs are going to be in the low 80s and the lows in the mid 50s. Currently in and around our area, Baton Rouge and Gulfport, it's 57 degrees. Over in Mandeville, across the lake, it's 58. Home of Thibodeau, the cool spot, 53. And in New Orleans, Crescent City posting 61 degree temperatures right now so uh, mm-hmm. yeah get ready uh mm-hmm. y'all gonna do anything in particular real quick for halloween yeah. just give out candy give for out me candy.
2: give it out candy oh, Got yeah. lots of it. we're going to a party with some friends and trick-or-treating around the neighborhood so we always look forward to it
4: yeah and i'm gonna try to make the visual mask for all saints day tonight yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. so uh, anyway don't go too far we have chris Pennegy coming your way and more on wake up Good morning, I'm
1: Father Chris Decker and today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 14. On a Sabbath Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees. He said to the host who invited him, When you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or sisters or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors, in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be, because of their inability to repay you for you
4: will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Thank you, Father Chris Decker. It is eight after the hour. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, Halloween. (laughs) And with us right now is Chris Pennegie. He is president of Pelican Craft Brands, and he's here to join us to talk about The brew that we're going to be indulging in on Catholic Man Night, but also some other topics as well. But good morning, Chris.
1: Hey, good morning, guys.
4: So tell us a little bit about Pelican Craft Brands. It's a relatively new distributorship when I say relatively new, but you guys focus on on a lot of the craft beers, don't you?
1: Yes, yes. So we um, we do not deal with any of the domestic brands uh, like the larger brands like the Budweiser's or uh, or Miller Coors. Uh, we, we started primarily to so I used to own a brewery here in Baton Rouge. And uh, so we started to to distribute beer for breweries that were like mine. Um, and that was primarily just to help the small businesses, just because we just realized we weren't getting the representation that we needed uh, out there in the market and and rightly so, right? I mean mm-hmm. nobody wants to represent a, a a small brand when you have large ones that are making you money easy.
4: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and from that you you've grown quite a bit and where's your distributorship cover now? Uh, what part uh, all so of Louisiana? We cover the
1: entire state of Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we cover the entire state of Louisiana. Um, we primarily distribute Baton Rouge, New Orleans, North Shore, Homo Thibodeau, and Lafayette and then we cover the rest of the state. Uh, a little less periodically, but we do get
4: out there. Great. And of course, what has spun off from that is something, uh, a concept that is unique, uh, is distribution of theology. Share with our listeners what distribution of theology is all about.
1: Um, Well, it's a way for me to get a lot of uh, Catholic men together and, um, and, and educate and evangelize. Um, so it really kind of started out from my axe retreats, um, trying to find a way to get all those guys back together and uh, and get something that's going to help enrich a- our faith. And from there, it was bring a friend, and then it was bring two <laughs> friends and bring three <laughs> friends, and then now our warehouse is full <laughs> wow. every time we host one of those events.
4: Yes, and uh, the events, uh, the, and it, like you said, the primary purpose was to get your friends together from axe retreat. But it's it's gone even deeper than that because you do a great job of getting some good priests to be guest speakers.
1: Well, we're definitely blessed in our in our diocese here to have some amazing priests that are just on fire for Christ and and really know how to spread that uh, and and get other people on board and, and and light their hearts on fire as well.
4: Okay, so tell folks what's coming up you had father david dawson there um uh, just a week ago uh what was interesting at, at that one was uh father david dawson had a special request for folks to bring uh water and salt
1: yes yeah, so he 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 did the blessing over the water and the salt so that uh you know it was uh, i believe the talk specifically was on spiritual warfare and he was just trying to give us some weapons uh that we can use in our own homes um uh, to help protect us. So he did the full blessing there. Um, And it it was definitely, it it was very beautiful. A lot of people were very touched by that.
4: Yes, yes, there's something about that. And uh, spiritual warfare is something we need to be aware of and can't ignore because it is getting, the battle is is underway as they say. Tell us who uh, you will have for November uh, for distribution of theology.
1: Mm -hmm. So we have Father Michael Luxbach, Bacher. Hopefully, I said that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> he's a uh, he's a, a priest, uh, uh, part of the Legionaries for Christ uh, in Mandeville, Louisiana, and he's going to be coming and talking to us about uh, specifically about what it means to be a man in today's world. Um, you know the, the the unique issues that we have to deal with, and and so on.
4: Yes, and uh, if someone wants to attend, what do they need to do?
1: Um, well, they can. Uh, they can pull up our website, uh, pe- PelicanCraftBrands.com, and uh, just get in touch with me specifically. Uh, I think if you go under our About section, we'll have uh, my email will be under there, and just reach out to me. And uh, I'd love to get them signed up and and uh, and come out.
4: Yeah, and you're gonna have gumbo this time, huh?
1: Yes, uh, the, the parishioners from Holy Family are coming and cooking a giant pot of gumbo
4: for us. That's there awesome. you go. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> folks, I'm telling you, this, this ev- event, Distribution of Theology, started out, I would say, uh, Chris, what would you say, 30, 40 men? Maybe the first meeting? It's got to be pulling in 150 yeah. or so now, huh?
1: Yes, sir. It uh, started out with a, it was a small group, um, and Father Paul Groh, uh actually did our first six sessions. And he did this expansive talk on the mass, and it was it was very enlightening. I learned so much uh, that I did not know, and uh, and it definitely helped to deepen my faith. Um, so I'm I'm really hoping that we can have that same thing happen to a lot of other men.
4: Well, you're doing God's work in the aspect. Are you still involved with the actual retreat, by the way, at Saint George Catholic Church in Baton Rouge?
1: I am. I'm actually co-director on this next one that's coming up in February. So myself and Stevie Guillory and uh, Roy Colada and Eddie Lanier.
4: Yeah, well, awesome. that means a lot of meetings. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a lot of fun, though, too. It really is.
4: Yeah, it is. And uh, it's great, again. And uh, real quick, uh, again, why uh, in 30 seconds do you feel you needed to be a part of Catholic Man Night for Catholic Community Radio?
1: Um, well, the, I went to my first one, I believe was with, uh, Mitch Packwalks, And ever since then I was hooked. It's, it's definitely a great venue to get a lot of men together, uh, to really share their faith and, and learn a little bit about, you know, um, about each other and about God.
4: And what are some of the beers you plan on, uh, having there for, for us to consume?
1: So I'm going to bring riverfront lager, which is a, uh, it's, it's a, traditional lager from Port Orleans in New Orleans, and I'll probably have uh, First Pitch from Rally Cap here in Baton Rouge, which is a uh, light pale ale. Um, both are fantastic, easy drinking
4: beers. I think a lot of these guys are really going to enjoy. Yeah, it's a good chance awesome. Coach Paul will be drinking first pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. He may be drinking last pitch, too, by the n- end of the night. So, uh, Chris Pennegie, thank you so much for being with us, President of Pelican Craft Brands, a good man doing good things. We appreciate your support for Catholic Man Night coming up Wednesday night. Don't go too far. It's already 15 after the hour on Wake Up.
0: This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 31st. Today we celebrate St. Wolfgang of Regensburg. Born in Germany around 924, Wolfgang was educated in a Benedictine abbey known for its outstanding library school. There he met Henry, a young nobleman who had become an archbishop. Wolfgang remained in close contact with Henry and supported his efforts to reform the clergy. At the archbishop's death, Wolfgang entered the Benedictine community. Following his ordination, he was made director of a monastery school at an abbey located in present-day Switzerland. Later, Wolfgang was sent to Hungary as a missionary, where he achieved limited results despite his zeal and goodwill. In 972, Wolfgang was appointed Bishop of Regensburg, near Munich. He devoted himself to reform, especially among clergy. He preached with vigor and effectiveness, and always demonstrated a special concern for the poor. Even as a bishop, he continued to wear the habit of a monk and lived an austere life. The desire for solitude never left him. At one point, he left his diocese to devote himself to prayer, but his responsibilities called him back. Wolfgang died in 994. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day.
2: Past the hour. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning. I'm Gabby Smith along with Damien Clotto and Alicia Quibedo We're live on our YouTube channel. You can go to YouTube.com and search Catholic Community Radio. Hit the subscribe button and click on the bell. So every time we go live or post a video, you will receive a notification. Also, join us for the Patriotic Rosary daily at 12:30 p.m. Central Time through election day, which is actually coming up. So uh, join us as we pray for our country. Our next guest is Deacon Dennis Adams. Deacon Dennis is a deacon at St. Peter's Church in Covington. And today he joins us to tell us about his call to the diaconate. Good morning, Deacon Dennis. Thank you so much for being with us today.
5: Good morning, Gabby. It's so good to be with you this morning. Actually, I'm in it's good to have you. New York this morning. Very chilly. Oh, my oh, goodness.
6: Wow. <laughs> that sounds boy. cold. <laughs>
2: It's so good to have you with us today. Deacon Dennis, you have been such a big supporter of Catholic Community Radio and always have a smile on your face every time I ran into you uh, when we met through Archdiocesan events or anything with Christopher Holmes. Tell us about your call to the diaconate.
5: Well, Gabby, uh, as you probably hear with many clergy, it was a very circuitous route. I was born in Baton Rouge, and I was raised in northeast Louisiana, a little town called Wismer, about an hour south of Monroe. It was a very small town with two Catholic families, and we had to travel 20 minutes one way to go to church. I was thinking no. about it the other day, and I realized that with two Catholic families, we were very Catholic, and between the two families, we had 16 members. Which made up about two percent of the population of that town, but uh, but nevertheless, uh, we we attended mass every Sunday, and uh, I found out later in life, and this is a great message for all of us living our Catholic lives, that our activities were uh, were being very much observed by by other members of the community, and uh, and how our dedication to our faith was much of mine. I didn't know that until just a couple of years ago. But uh my mother would continue to suggest to me about the priesthood. I had two younger brothers and I would turn to her and I'd say, Well, how about Gary? and she'd go to Gary and Gary would send her to Chris and She didn't get a <laughs> she didn't get a, a a priest among her sons. We do have a cousin Tom Lanzino in Baton Rouge who's a priest but she was overjoyed with my ordination to the diaconate. Nevertheless, uh, as time went on, uh, I was married. My wife decided she wanted to find out more about the Catholic faith and she entered into RCIA and I attended all the classes with her. That was at St. Peter's in Covington. And it was through her journey that I finally heard God's call to uh, to ministry. And Ruth likes to say that God used her to get to me. And during that uh, time that she was we were going through the RCIA, uh, I heard that small, that still small voice. I love that uh, scripture from 1 Kings when it Elijah experienced God on Mount Horeb in that still small voice, and it was deep in my heart. And I started discerning that. I spoke to Ruth about it at one point, and she confirmed to me that she felt like that, that was that was uh, that God was actually talking to me. A great message for all of us uh, came also from. Bishop Gregory England. I remember when he first came to New Orleans and was. Uh, and
2: Deacon Dennis, Bishop. I think we're having a hard connection trying to trying to uh, understand you right now. Um, it sounds like you're in a really crowded place. Um, I don't know if you're at the airport over in Ithaca right now, but I think we're going to probably call you back uh, and see if we can okay. get a better connection because well, it was see. starting I'm to get a little bit muddled.
5: I might have a okay,
2: let's try that there. That sounds okay. better to me Let's continue, let's continue right, to now, continue so
5: Thank you so, um, so Anyway, Archbishop Amen had a message when he first came Back to New Orleans for About uh, About vocations And he, he asked uh, The Catholic faithful Not only to Pray for vocations But to uh, if, he, if, if we identify we see somebody that we really believe has the vocation, we should mention it to them. And I had a person walk up to me at a time when it was only my wife and I that I was discerning this and only Ruth knew about it. And he asked me, you ever thought about the diaconate? And that just blew me away because it, it was a confirmation, another confirmation from God to my call to vocation, uh, I think it's a message for all of us to consider. Nevertheless, uh, I I spoke to my pastor at that time, Father Bill McGuff, and uh, uh, I put my name in consideration, and we began our uh, uh, discernment classes that Ruth and I attended, and it was a it was a wonderful time, uh, mm-hmm. but then, as tends to happen many times in our our call to vocation, um, we we tend to run into roadblocks. And
1: my mm-hmm. <laughs> roadblock
5: for myself and my class was actually uh, Hurricane Katrina. Oh wow! We uh, uh, Hurricane Katrina came through and set. Uh, all of the plans for that, what was to be the 2009 class of the Jack and Decide. And uh, wow. we, we finally were able to gather together post-Katrina and, uh, and, and, and certainly ended into forna- formation. I remember at our, uh, at our ordination mass, Archbishop Amon said that he was renaming the Katrina class to the class of hope and perseverance. And uh, we, we stuck through those four years of of formation and it was just a beautiful time for us all. We ended up with uh, 10 members for our class at that time, one of the smaller classes in recent memory to the Biakman in New Orleans. And, and, uh, And then was ordained. Well, another roadblock that I had run into was the Friday before we began our discernment classes. I was uh, downsized from my my job, my wife and I both. And and I was, I remember thinking, well, this is not going to happen because I've got to have, I'm going to have to have. Stable employment, if I'm going to be considered for for mm. ordination, or to enter into formation, and uh, and yet uh, that was when God called me to one of my primary ministries of the Baptist, and that is Christopher Holmes, as you mentioned earlier,
3: mm-hmm.
5: and, uh, and 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 the the sacramental graces that we have from ordination have been a great blessing and grace for me in my administration of Christopher Holmes which uh, certainly circling back around that timeline I I was uh, I had the responsibility then of rebuilding Christopher Holmes with a lot of help from great people Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so the point being is, is that when we're called, when God decides that He wants us for ministry, for for as a member of the clergy, we will find uh, we will find blocks, we will find roadblocks in our way. But God has a way of clearing those out for us if we remain faithful and continue in His call. Yeah.
2: Wow deacon dennis adams deacon over at saint peter's church in covington what a story and i'm so glad that you kind of paraphrased that with roadblocks there is always hope so i'm so glad that you uh, joined us this morning um where can we learn to find out more about saint peter's church in covington and maybe take a visit over at christopher holmes
5: well christopher holmes has uh we've moved our offices now to st Rita uh, on lower line christopher holmes has uh, properties throughout the uh, Archdiocese. We have our website, Christopher Holmes, H-O-M-E-S Inc. Dot org uh, that has mm-hmm. all the information about our our ministry of of senior affordable housing throughout the Archdiocese. Mm-hmm. We have 2,500 apartments and we keep this effectively filled because there's a great need for affordable housing among the elderly
2: Yes, yes. And I had the pleasure of touring them thanks to you. So uh, wonderful facilities and, and, and thank you so much for all that you do over in the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Deacon Dennis Adams, it's a pleasure having you join us on Wake Up Today.
5: Thank you, Gabby. It's a pleasure being here. God bless you.
2: Absolutely. Alan Migliorata joins us when we come back from the break. He'll talk about how to raise Catholic teens in today's world. It's always a wonderful and fun interview with Alan, so definitely stay tuned for that. It is half past the hour on Wake Up.
3: It's 35 minutes after the hour on Wake Up. I'm Alicia Quibido with Gabby Smith and Damian Collado. We are joined this morning by our friend Alan Migliorato. He is the author of The Manly Art of Raising a Daughter and co-author of K- uh, Leadership, I'm sorry, Failing Forward. It just <laughs> fell out. Failing Forward, <laughs> Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. Good morning, Alan.
7: Hey, good morning, y'all. How are you?
3: Wonderful. Apparently, I'm still a little sleepy, but um, it's great to visit with you this morning. Oh, yeah,
4: you too. You too. I'm, I'm sleepy, too.
3: Look at that. <laughs> Should we talk about sleepy teenagers or you know,
4: what? The, the, the show is called Wake Up, so, I mean, we, we there is some merit there. There you right? go. We could change it to, for the love of God, wake up. Yeah. There,
3: you, uh, there, you go. <laughs> there you go, Alan. That's a good idea. Well, well We should talk about wake, waking up teens today. What do you want to talk about?
7: So this, I'll just tell you about, like, my past five days. So it's been, you know, when when you're in ministry, uh, you you ask God, you know, fill my day with, you know, spreading your word. And, and when you ask God for something, he listens. So the last, uh, since Thursday, i just kind of been on the go nonstop. We had... I did a training on Thursday for a group of adults who were going to come help at a, at a retreat I was doing over the weekend. Uh, and, that, you know, that's all Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And then Friday where I'm out setting up the, uh, the retreat. And then Saturday we had a whole long, one long day retreat. We had 90 students there. It was a multi-parish confirmation retreat. And then had their parents come out for mass. At the end of the day, we had like two or 300, 250, 300 people. I, I lost count after the <laughs> after the two hundred, but um, it was beautiful. We did this outdoor mass at, at a uh, at a park, and um, it was cool because you know you had some walk passers by, kind of stopping and celebrating ah. mass with us. And so that's why I'm not exactly sure how many people were there, but <laughs> um, and then oh my gosh, well it was just a long long weekend, and then we did a bonfire last night for a youth group, and so today I go to work
3: there you go right? That was my rest <laughs> your your day job so, so confirmation you know,
7: i think when we ask oh go ahead
3: go ahead no 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 you go ahead i was just
7: going to say i think you know when we i hear a lot of people who are who are in ministry say you know oh it's exhausting you know and and i mean that's natural but mm-hmm. i think that we're supposed to be used up you know I, yes. this is a good burnout you know this is a good burn it's not a burnout it's just like kind of like the the burning bush you know it's it's on fire but not consumed so it's wonderful to have you know to be able to spread God's word and and to work with these teenagers and their parents and then you know to handle all all of the questions that parents have and concerns and confusion about the you know the the leadership style retreat that we have it's a great opportunity but you know it can be uh, that can be exhausting you know trying to get uh, parents on board because they're the first catechist for their for their children and raising kids Mm -hmm. Is their, is their job, you know, and as mm-hmm. long as they're bringing them close to God, like we can't tell them that they're doing it the wrong way. Although <laughs> there is so much of an urge at times <laughs> to say, what are you doing? But, yes. you know, we it's it's a good burn. It's a good burn. And so I, I look for these opportunities, you know, and I, and I encourage teenagers, you know, to, to to get involved and their parents to get involved so that they can see what's happening in the lives of their teens. Sometimes we don't see that, you know, like they mm-hmm. just kind of drop their kids off and expect okay, fill them with God and I'll bring them home
3: and I'll give them dinner. Mm -hmm. And, And
7: their responsibility is to do that.
3: Yes. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you talked about uh, being uh, tired or burnt, but not burnt out. It, it's so interesting over the years as my children have received uh, sacraments that, you know, there's always a staff person or, or a core team that that helps to get your child uh, ready for that through retreats or whatever. But, I, you know, I always think even if they're they've done it for the hundredth time, this is the only time the first last only time those children were, will experience that sacrament and how important that is uh you know that, that you not be too tired to tell them about it
7: oh that's you know, that's really really a great point you know and it's this is their first time you're exactly mm-hmm. right it's my hundredth but it's mm-hmm. their first and so i don't want them to miss anything that i said the first time of my go my go around the first time so yeah we've got to approach it and you know before, before any adults are, are involved in ministry, before you do any kind of retreat, like I always, well, my team, we always do. It's not a suggestion. Like we're going to mm. pray and make sure that we're spreading God's word and we're putting all of our own stuff aside, mm. you know. And yeah. if that means like, okay, after the retreat, we're going to go out uh, as a team and we're going to go bowling or we're going to just hang out around a campfire ourselves and, and, and talk and just, you know, just kind of chill out and maybe not talk about anything that had to do with the retreat, um, you know, that's what you do, but like you give it a hundred and hundred and fifty and 150% when you're there, uh, for, for God and it's not for us. And so, yeah, it, there's a tendency to, to say, you know, oh, come on, like, it's not that important. We miss this. We don't have to go to confession before, you know, confirmation. It's, and, and no, these things are important and we're going to do them. So yes. yeah, you're a hundred percent right to do it. Like it's the first time.
3: Right. Right. So Alan, tell us some of the tips that you tell parents that, so you have a separate parent retreat. From, from the students, and then, then you have mass together? Is that what you were saying?
7: Well, yeah, so normally, will, I did a training for the parents the, that wanted to volunteer, and we restrict that, no matter how many kids are coming out, like we'll restrict the amount of parents that are coming okay. to about 10, okay. uh, and because they're not really involved during at all in the retreat, like they're not interacting with kids at all. And so okay. it's a, this is a chance for them to observe, and that's the hardest thing that we find for parents. So really, there are almost two separate retreats that are happening at the same time. One will be working with the teenagers on our COPEC method. And then while while that's happening, like, for example, I'll give a challenge to the teenagers. As they go off to do the challenge, I'm talking to the parents or the you know, the, the volunteers that are there uh, or the core team that's there about what's going on, what to observe, how not to interact, how not to give suggestions, and, and how to let their kids struggle and fail so that we can work through that together afterwards so it's it's uh, really a non-stop day from like seven in the morning to like seven at night um, and that's the one-day retreat for confirmation we've done four-day long retreats where we don't have the parents come out wow. um, or two-day retreats where the parents will come out and it's yeah it's just a non-stop <laughs> it's a non-stop <laughs> uh retreat
3: <laughs> so alan you mentioned i that- What's that?
7: No, I was saying I, I laugh because, you know, like the parents will be like, oh, but, you know, he's struggling or they're sad or they're anxious. And it's like, yes, good, good observation. And they're like, well, let's go fix it. And it's like, nope, stop, stay right there. You got to want to tie him down sometimes.
3: <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. What's the difficult part? You mentioned this that it can be difficult for parents. And what what is the difficult part? And is it watching them fail?
7: Yeah, oh, well, for sure. Observing is, is difficult. The observation section or part of of the COPEC method, so it's challenge, observe, process, evaluate, and challenge again, and the observation part is absolutely without a doubt the most <laughs> difficult thing for parents to do. While processing, it, it, that means like, telling you know, understanding what they did, that's the hard part for teens, to actually put words to their thoughts and actions because they, you know, they're not thinkers. Yet. They're not thinking yet. Yes. They're just kind of acting. They're impulsive. And so for them to slow down and say, why did I do what I did? Why did I get angry? Why did I get frustrated? Why did I give up or quit? You know, and really dig in internally. That's difficult. That's processing.
5: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
7: and so then the evaluate part, you know, that comes to where the, the parents are kind of saying, well, here's what I noticed. And that's, you know, a, a nonstop process, too, because we've got to make sure the parents aren't saying, well, here's how you should have done it that's not what evaluating is, you know? So nice. it's, there's a long drawn out sec, uh, a part of this retreat where it's constantly going back and forth between parents and teens, and sometimes stopping them from interacting when they, you know, when they see their kids struggling. We had a kid on, on the last, on this past weekend, who was um, pretty pretty autistic, like pretty deeply autistic, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't want to see him struggle at all, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was a beautiful moment because like, by by the parents trusting us, by the core team trusting us and letting him struggle and, yes, get a little uh, frustrated and being able to talk to him afterwards. He, I said, well, what did you learn, you know, to this boy? And he said, well, I learned that I can do anything and there's nothing too difficult for me.
3: Wow. And, and the,
7: he would have never got to that point. And it's nothing that I did. You mm-hmm. know, it's not Pat Allen on the back. This is a God moment, you know. This is thank God for... For, you know the parents trusting us and letting this process work because this boy never would have had that breakthrough and so by the end of the day he was like i can do anything i said well tell me some of the things you learned today he's like life is hard but i can get through it and i can do things you know and I'm, i i want more uh, responsibility wow. and he was able to articulate a lot of the things that a lot of people didn't think he'd be able to do because he's constantly pigeonholed and said well he can't do this oh, because sure because of his condition, and I don't don't buy into that. I mean, there are things, there are restrictions, but Uh, to pigeonhole somebody I don't agree
3: with. uh, People can pick up your book, Failing Forward Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens today, and learn more about the Copec Method at AdventureCatholic.com. It's 15 minutes before the hour on Wake Up.
4: 12 minutes before the top of the hour. Happy Monday, everyone, and Happy Halloween at that and also All Souls Eve. Daniel Strudwick is with us now. He is co-editor of the book, By Strange Ways, Theologians and Their Paths to the Catholic Church. He's here to talk about that book. Good morning, Daniel. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, glad to have you. Always love conversion stories, and in particular, you you focus on uh, ten converts, and in particular, they're all turned out to be theologians, huh? Yeah, that's
6: correct. Um, You know, it's the only work that is actually like that, that focuses exclusively on theologians. So um, some of them were um, theologians and then became Catholic, and then others were uh, converts and then became theologians, so we, we cover all the bases.
4: You do, and uh, the background is everyone from agnost those who were agnostic at one time in their lives, secularism played a big role. Uh, who in the book really jumped out at you as you were putting the book together as far as stories go, conversion stories go?
6: You know that's a hard question, and it's it's a, it's a good one because they're all so unique and they're all so interesting. Um, you know, when we first started the project, we we certainly were thinking about uh, Dr. Scott Hahn, who <laughs> has you know, told his story before, but we thought, well, it would be great to have him tell his uh, story, really focusing on the the theological content that was in his mind as he was making the. The journey. So, so he was, a, a you know, one of the early people that came to mind, but then little by little, so many recommendations came to us and we were hunting down leads for some of the most interesting stories. And, you know, as you said, um, you know, we have people from secular backgrounds. We have people whose family was into occultic practices. Um, you know, then we have some of the more traditional stories of people coming from Presbyterian or Baptist um, backgrounds. Um, and, 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 They're all stories that, uh, you know, kind of cover both the heart and the head, because, um, you know, the journey that they're taking is one that that isn't just, you know, figuring out a theological argument, but takes the whole person in. And I think that's what what you find in all of the stories. Yeah. Is that... um, you nope. know,
4: they take, they take the whole. It is. And the heart, quite often we think it, uh, it, it's our own heart that we have to really convert. Uh, but a lot of times it starts in the head before it can get to the heart. And what I loved about uh, some of the stories in particular uh, was the fact that uh, you, you focus on that. It's not too intellectual, I guess, for the reader, if I could handle it. No. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's really approachable. And, and I think that, you know— the, the people writing the stories wanted to, um, you know,
6: make the stories approachable and let you understand what they were uh, wrestling with as they were trying to come in, you know, come into the church. I mean, um, you know, the Lawrence Feingold, the Dr. Feingold story is such a beautiful story of um, both love, the love uh, of his wife, and also the love of art and beauty. So, you know, it's that type of, a, uh, you know, an approach. You have an artist who's a sculptor. And, and the deep love story between him and his wife, and how both of those things really drew him into the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And then you have Barnaby Osprey who, you know, really lays out a real clear, um, you know, kind of methodical approach to um, uh, his, his journey into the church by way of seeing what is really necessary. You know, is, is scripture alone enough? Is reason alone enough? You know, is tradition? And in the end finds that you really need all of them, and you find that in the Catholic Church.
4: Yeah, and some of these people I've never heard of, uh maybe I should have, but um Jeff Morrow, for example, what a cool story he had. Uh, as far as his yeah. conversion goes, she, that was one of the ones that I was able to relate to. Uh in, in how uh in his college days it took a couple of pals to to kind of get him going.
6: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And um you know, too, you, you know, with his story, you see that that uh you know, some of the science background is what kept him from really uh, moving into church or faith early on in his life, but, um, you know, then was, was able to, to overcome that through that, you know, kind of freshman Bible study, and, um, you know, and as you said, those friendships, you know, that really drew him in, and, uh, uh, you know, I think he's like many young people today who, you know, maybe think that, that science is a, an obstacle to faith until they get deep into the science, and then they find that it's not.
4: Mm-hmm. And and now he's a, an associate professor, I guess, at a Catholic seminary, right? Is he still doing right? That? Yeah, he's at yeah
6: he's at Seton Hall University. Okay, which um, Immaculate Conception Seminary is there, but also the university. Uh,
4: What's the common thread, if there is one, that you found among the the ten stories that you uh, share in your book? Again, the name of the book: Strange Ways: Theologians and Their Paths to the Catholic Church. What's, what's the common thread it they all seem to be professors or or doctors of, of theology now yeah um you know there are a few things
6: but i I'll, I'll sp- stick with I'll stick with one maybe to, to give you um I mean one thing that's that stood out to me as I read each of the stories was that you know when you know oftentimes when people convert from one faith to the next they they leave their their former faith and their with some anger or you know frustration or something but you know one of the things that you find in these stories is that every one of them is very grateful and thankful for their background and you see that in the way they tell their stories they you know they're they're thankful for their baptist professors and their presbyterian professors or for their family that led them you know on one step of the journey so maybe as we talk about journey we can say that the people in these books in these uh, particular tales you know, tell you that that they're that they find the fulfillment of what they were looking for in the Catholic Church, but they're thankful for the past.
4: Yeah, and so in writing the book, now that it's written and it's out, uh, who do you target? Is it someone who is considering conversion to the Catholic faith, or is it Catholics themselves reading stories that enhance and will inspire them to to dig deeper?
6: Yeah, great great question. Um, you know, Jonathan Fuquay, who's my co-editor, is a convert to the Catholic Church. So, you know, his his way of approaching all of this is is a, a bit different than mine, being a, a cradle Catholic. So I've thought about that with this book and said, the book is, I think, um, you know, helpful to, to both those who are thinking about becoming Catholic or have become Catholic and are looking to look at other conversion stories, um, you know, to say, why did other people do it like I did? But it's also helpful to cradle Catholics, because it's a reminder of the reasons why we stay in the church. Like, you know, what, mm-hmm. what is it that, you know, sometimes I think if we're cradle Catholics, we, uh, we forget the great treasures that are in the church, and we're, we are reminded of them when we read these types of stories.
4: Amen. Yes. Uh, Daniel Strudwick, the book, By Strange Ways, Theologians and Their pants to the Catholic Church, where can they pick up a copy?
6: Well, um, they can uh, order it through Ignatius Press or they can get on Amazon.
4: Well, thank you so much for being with us on Wake Up This Morning and best of luck with your book and future writings as well.
6: Very good. Thank you very much for having
4: me. All right. Happy Halloween. God bless you. (laughs) God bless you as well. All right so uh, i love conversion stories yes, and I, you start reading one you, you you can't put the book down until yes. you read them all you know yes. and scott Hahn, uh, though i was familiar with it that goes into greater detail so, so great. anyway uh with that being said we are going to pray today for vocations in the name of the father son holy spirit amen jesus you are the good shepherd you know each of us and you call us by name to serve in faith Help us respond generously to your voice. Give courage and guidance to those you call to the priesthood, to the diaconate to religious life and lay ministry, so they may respond wholeheartedly and serve devotedly. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen.
3: Amen.
2: Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. We have events in your listening area we will give you details about. Debbie Shelley with the Catholic Commentator joins us with what you'll find in this week's issue in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Michael Ocalda with St. Vincent de Paul in Baton Rouge gives us an update. And Father Brent Mayer from St. Agnes will tell us about All Saints Day. Have a wonderful Monday and a great start to your work week. God bless.
1: is a production of Catholic Community Radio.